envision yourself being in a car wreck. Um, those are some typical ways that people pass from this life, but there are just thousands of ways when you stop and consider how many ways that people can pass from this world. And um, some of them uh, just you would never think of in a million years. Uh, people pass in, in, well, there are as many ways, I guess, to, to leave this world as there are uh, ways in which, uh, or as many people as there are. But what I want us to think about tonight is in, in view of the fact that there are just thousands of ways you might leave this world, there are only two conditions in which you will leave this world or that you may leave this world. There are a lot of ways to die, but there are only two ways, uh, two conditions that you will find yourself in when you do die. And I'd like for us to look at the cross of Christ and the two crosses on either side of Jesus and consider yourself and those two crosses beside Jesus. Because on those crosses are three ways in which men have died. One of them was experienced by our Lord, and he's the only one qualified to do it, and no one will ever do it again. So that one's been taken. But the other two crosses are the other two ways that we might find ourselves leaving this world. And I want you to find yourself. On which cross do you find yourself? And so let's look, first of all, at the cross of Jesus. On the cross of Jesus, we see that a man died for sin. Um, The Bible tells us in um, John chapter 10 and verse 17... Uh, that uh, he was a willing participant. He very clearly said, I don't, I'm not having my life taken. I'm laying it down. You don't have the power to take my life. If it weren't, if I were not a willing participant in this, I would not die. And that, of course, is true. He could have called 10,000 angels, as we just sang, to come to his rescue. But he laid his life down. On that cross, Isaiah chapter 53 and verse 6 reminds us that though we all like sheep have gone astray, it was Jesus who took upon himself our iniquities. He died for us. And I think it's important to realize that Jesus was not just a victim of circumstance. He he wasn't just a, a helpless martyr caught up in some cause that got out of control and beyond his ability and power to to resist, he, he chose his fate. I, I don't know if they still publish this. Mag- when I was a kid, do you, have you ever heard of Boy's Life? It was a magazine, uh, especially for Boy Scouts. I, I think that's what it was. I used to get Boy's Life, and I, I liked reading that, but always in Boy's Life, they would have, do you remember Charles Atlas? Charles Atlas was this Mr. Universe kind of guy. And he would, he had muscles and, and I wanted to be like Charles Atlas. And, and I always wanted to write off to whatever it is. You know, you could, you could be like him. And they would always have in those Charles Atlas advertisements, they would have this little, um, strip, a comic type strip where this guy, he's a 98 pound weakling and some bullies come up and kick sand in his face. What's he going to do about it? Nothing. He can't because he's just a 98-pound weakling. And so he gets Charles Atlas stuff, and he starts doing all that, and he becomes this huge guy. 
and they don't kick sand in his face anymore because he can take care of himself. And that I remember that advertisement in that magazine. And when I think of Jesus dying on the cross, the reason he was held to the cross was not because somebody did something to him. It was because of the fact that he allowed it to happen. Jesus was not a 98-pound weakling. He was not somebody who was at the, the mercy of those uh, who took him. He could have, with a snap of a finger, caused all of his enemies to just vaporize, if that was his will. He could have just caused them all to die. Uh, but he chose to allow them to take him, to do the things physically to him that they had done, and he was good with that. Because Jesus came to this earth for the very purpose of dying for our sins. In first, or Second Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 21, the Bible says that he, that is God, made him, Jesus, he made him who knew no sin to become sin for us, that we might attain to the righteousness of God through him. We can be seen as righteous in the eyes of God because of the work of Jesus on the cross. You know, that's an amazing thought, and I don't comprehend it all. I don't know why it took the death of Jesus, the Son of God, to die. Why couldn't there be some other plan? Why couldn't there be something else done? Why did it take Jesus leaving heaven, taking on flesh, doing everything? I don't have the answer to all those questions. I do believe it was necessary, and I do believe that it was satisfactory. I do believe, as Romans chapter 3 and verse 26 says, that through the death of Jesus, um, God was able to be just and the justifier of men. And so he can remain just, remain a holy God, and still save sinful men because of what took place at the cross. Jesus came to this earth to die on the cross. In Romans or Revelation chapter 13 and verse 8, it says that Jesus was slain as a lamb, and get this, from the foundation of the world. He, he came to die, and it was, it was set in motion from the foundation of the world. You know what I think is really a concept? You, go home and think about this for a little bit, and it, it'll tell you. Sometimes people say, I don't know if God really loves me. Listen to what this passage is teaching. This passage is saying that there was a Savior before there was a sinner. This passage is saying that there was a heaven before there was a hell. And I think that is powerful. God provided a Savior before man ever even sinned. It was all the part of God's eternal purpose. He knew the problems that man would have, and before he even had them... He planned that Jesus would come and die on the cross, a Savior before there was a sinner. And so Jesus came and he fulfilled that role on the cross. He died for us. He left heaven, 2 Corinthians 8 and verse 9. The riches of heaven he forsook, became a man, became poor as a man, so that we who were in poverty, stricken with sin, could have the riches of heaven. That's why he came. Second, or First Peter chapter 2 and verse 24, he bore our sins in his own body on the tree. So there's one death that is unique that none of us can ever do for ourselves. He is the only one 
who has ever been able to die for another person's sins. Because of his perfect life, his life of obedience, his sacrifice, his willingness to, to be sacrificed for man, he died for our sins. But now let's focus the rest of the time on the other two crosses. And again, I want you to find yourself on one of those two crosses. The second cross we can read of in Luke chapter 23, verses 40 through 42. And on this cross, there is a man who died to sin. If you'll recall, as you read the gospel accounts, both thieves at one time during that day, they both railed on Jesus. They both cried out and mocked and said, if you're the son of God, those kind of comments. They both asked Jesus in mocking ways to, to uh, help them as well as himself. But I don't know what in particular or if it was just the series of things or whether it was what Jesus communicated to them as they hung on the cross those hours together. We don't know what all dialogue. We know there were seven statements made from the cross, but we don't know what else was said. Did they talk more? what all took place. I know there were some things that God did to cause people to get their attention, and maybe it got the attention of this one thief. And he was one who died to sin on that cross. He decided he was a sinner. You remember he talked to the other thief on the cross and said, listen, how how can you say that in light of who he is? He's hanging here, and he's done nothing wrong. We're here because we're sinners. We've committed crimes worthy of death. This man has done nothing. And he turns to Jesus, and he says, Will you remember me when you come into your Father's kingdom? I don't know how much this thief even understood about the kingdom of God. Apparently, he understood a little bit more than maybe we give him credit for because obviously it looks like Jesus is going to die and he saw something beyond the grave anyway. And he was asking Jesus to remember him. He wasn't cursing God. He wasn't saying, why aren't you helping me? If you're God, help me. He says, I'm here because I deserve this. I have sinned, but please remember me. And as you recall, Jesus said to this man, today you will be with me in paradise. And so here's a man who on the cross said, "Uh, I recognize who I am and I'm a sinner and I don't like it. I've heard people sometimes talk disparagingly about those who have what we term today deathbed conversion experiences. I'm not talking about a person who pretends to be saved, and I'm not talking about salvation apart from God's uh, plan of pardon. I'm talking about people who wait until they hear serious news, and shortly after they hear the serious news about their own health, they decide to obey the gospel. Some people say, well, yeah, they're only doing it because they know their time's short. They're just trying to get ready. And uh, You know, if they didn't know they were sick, they they probably wouldn't have done it. Well, maybe not. But aren't there a lot of things that cause people to turn around and to, to evaluate their life and to recognize, I've got to do something? Whether it's your own mortality or or maybe it was um what somebody else said to you. Well, he would never have obeyed the gospel. Somebody wouldn't have said that to him. 
we don't talk like that. Well, if Joe hadn't had that Bible study with him, he probably never would have obeyed the gospel, and so we, we discredit their convert. No, we don't do that. God can use a lot of things to open people's eyes to his grace and to their sinfulness, and death is one of them. Coming face to face with death and knowing that you're going to have to answer for your life and, and for all eternity, answer for the way you live, that is sobering. And it can bring about genuine change in a person's life. And that is the case here with this thief. As he was dying, hanging on the cross, hours away from meeting his maker, he was undone. He was unprepared. And he turned to Jesus and said, I'm, I'm not worthy. I'm here because I am a sinner but remember me, and, and Jesus offers him forgiveness. So here on this cross is a man who died to sin. He didn't want to do it anymore. He recognized his state. He called out to God, and, and God heard him and, and responded to him. While on earth, Jesus had power to forgive sin. He did it many times with many people, and this is no exception to the rule. He can dispense with his goods however he wishes, um, if, if he wanted to, to reach out and forgive somebody, he could reach out and forgive them. After his death, the terms of his will are distributed according to uh, the, the will. But with this thief on the cross, he could speak his sins forgiven and it'd be done. And, and it was done. So you have a man who goes to meet his maker prepared because he had died to sin. And then there's that third cross... And on this cross, there is one who died in sin. I've heard people say, well, this, this guy in the third grade, he didn't care. He didn't acknowledge who Jesus was. He didn't feel bad about his own sinfulness. And it was so brazen that the first thief called him out for it. I don't know what it would be like to be dying, literally dying on a cross and to have somebody right next to you uh, grieving you. You can't even die in peace. And that was the case with Jesus and this thief. He railed on Jesus. He mocked Jesus as, they, as he hung on the cross. And consequently, he died in his sins. I've heard people say, there are no atheists in foxholes. What they mean by that is that when you get right down to it, life and death situation, atheists are going to say, oh, Lord, help me. Not so. That is not so. There are people that will go to their death with a clenched fist in anger against God saying, bring it on. You don't get religion and you don't get religious and you don't get penitence and, and soft hearts just because you're looking death square in the face. Here's a case in point. Here's a man who in a matter of hours is going to be dead, and he knows it, and he still won't turn from his sin. And thus he died in his sins. You know, that's one of the reasons why the Hebrew writer in Hebrews chapter 3 and verse 13, he warns us, you know, we need to encourage one another while it is called today, lest we become hardened. 
there, there is a hardening of heart that can take place. Paul warned Timothy about having our consciences seared as with a hot iron. Paul talked to uh, the, the Ephesian brethren in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 19 how that some of the Gentiles had hardened themselves beyond the point of feeling. They, it was just calloused. You could, well, I'm sure you've had a callous on your hand before and, and you can take a needle and just stick it right through that callus and it doesn't hurt at all. You can't even feel it. Some people's spiritual heart is the same way. They can hear the gospel. They can learn of what Jesus did for them, and it doesn't touch them. They have no feeling. It has no consider. It doesn't stir the least bit of emotion in them because they have that so far hardened themselves. And that seems to have been the case with this thief. He faced death square in the eyes, and he said, I'm going to go meet it in my sins. And so... There are three crosses, three men who died. One of those men died on one of those crosses for sin. And without that, we'd all be in a mess of trouble. But the other two are where we might be. One of us, or the other, one thief died to sin. The other thief died in sin. You know, there was a lot said this past week about the judgment day. And yesterday was supposed to be it. That was when the Lord was coming. And no doubt, there were probably people who said a few more prayers. And there were people who probably were trying to get loose ends tied up. Because just in case, you know, he comes again. Well, let's suppose he did. Or let's suppose he comes tonight. And it's all over with. And you're gone tonight. This is your last opportunity. How would you go to meet God? There's only one of two conditions. You can go to meet him being one who is dead to sin. You've decided, I I don't want to do it anymore. I know it grieves God. I'm heartbroken over it. I know I still sometimes stumble because of it. And I'm weak and I'm imperfect and I'm trying to do better. But... I sometimes fail, and when I do fail, I seek forgiveness and I try to get myself back on the right track. There are those who are like that. They're dead to sin. They have put to death, they have buried sin, and they're trying to live their life for God. There are others who might die in sin. If the Lord were to come back tonight, there are things I haven't taken care of. There are actions and deeds and thoughts that are just unacceptable to God and they're inconsistent with His mission and His nature and I haven't given a whole lot of attention to it. I really haven't cared that much. It's just the way I've chosen to live lately. Do you want to die in sin? Or do you want to die to sin? One has died for our sins. How will you die? That's the question I want you to consider as we sing this song of encouragement this evening. And if you find that you are one who is dead in your sins, make it right. If you need to be baptized into Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, why don't you do that? If you're a child of God already but unfaithful and, and you, need to get, you need to get right, you need to humble yourself and say, I've messed up, I'm sorry, pray for me. We'll pray for you if you'll come as we stand together and sing.